welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. That's right. We're, we're back, baby. I'm sticking with it for at least two weeks. This is episode numero duo. And I am, of course, your host, Marcus Nez. I'm here to talk about some games and what have you. I enjoyed the last episode. The feedback has been pretty dang positive. And I'm excited to do more of this. All right? People seem to be relatively happy with this general setup. The whole TV crap thing and what have you. So, uh, yeah, with that all out of the way, let's just get on to the topics. Uh, what I've been playing and all that jazz. Before I get to what I've been playing, though, I want to hit some other topics. Because I didn't see... Oh, bleh. I didn't talk about any of them last week. But, uh, anime. I like anime. Y'all know I like anime. And this is an avenue for me to talk about anime in a very easy and simple way. But, uh, it's the worst time possible for me to want to have somewhere I can talk about anime again. Because this season is maybe, it's one of the worst seasons. Easily. Easy. Easily. It is easily one of the worst seasons of the last few years, but it might be the worst season I've seen in a very long time, maybe ever, because there is not a single show this season that is new, not a carryover that's continuing from a previous season or what have you. Not even a sequel is good. There, there is nothing that has started this season that I am actually enjoying even the heavy hitters the bigger series like returning favorites the devil is a part-timer where we have been waiting for something for almost 10 years at this point the sequel to that kind of indifferent to it all of the night or whatever it's called <laughs> call me by the night i don't remember but the weird vampire show i'm not super fond of it it's got a decent vibe, but I think the story is stupid as shit. This whole setup of the only way of turning into a vampire is by falling in love with a vampire and then having them bite you. I think that is stupid as shit. When the one girl vampire was talking about how there are these vampires who have so many fathers, they've, they've converted so many people. It's like... Uh, is it so easy for them to fall in love? Like, how do you just need to say I love you? Or do you actually have to fall in love with them? Uh, are these other vampires just so fucking lovable that it's so easy for them to find? Like, I don't, whatever, okay, stupid as shit. And the naivety of the MC in that show is really annoying to me. I don't, I don't like that writing. It's like, uh, hanky panky. What was hanky panky? Why are you saying this? What does this mean? It's just like he's a fucking idiot. And I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Uh, the Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting. I don't. I'm assuming that its its intention is to be super sweet and 
cute to an extent, but really just sweet and tugging at the heartstrings because that's the only thing it succeeds at. It's not funny. It's not that cute, really. And the Yakuza, like, it's just not hitting the way I was hoping it would. And that show is definitely made for me. It has me written all over it, but it's not, it's not working. And then I don't know what other big shows are out this season. Made in Abyss season two is a big one. And that may be good. I don't know because I never watched the movies and the second season is a direct continuation of where the movies left off. So I'd have to watch those first and I'd probably just rewatch the first season and then the movies before doing this. And that's just, that's a lot. That's a lot. And I think that's it. Oh, yeah. Rent a Girlfriend. Rent a Girlfriend season two is so bad. It's making me question if I even actually liked the first season. If it was the trashy fun time I remembered it being. Because this season fucking sucks, man. It is so boring and dull and I'm not. I don't want anything to do with it. But I did decide. I thought I was going to take a break. But I think I'm just going to not watch any seasonals at all. And the few that I was watching, like Yakuza and All of the Night, whatever it's called, and what have you, I'm just going to catch up with those and watch them as the dubs for them release, the English dubs, because I don't care enough to feel inclined to watch them subbed. But I did finally decide to hit the one main show in my backlog that I've been meaning to watch. I watched the first episode today. It is Mushoku Tensei Jobless Reincarnation. And I was very fond of the first episode. It's very well animated. I love the art. It has a distinct look to it. But also, I love the writing because it feels like a show written by an adult. It is about a man who was a shut-in for 20 years, obviously. I guess he saved some teenagers' lives and was hit by a car and died, obviously. And then he was reincarnated into another world. Oh, you've heard of this all before. And he's growing up. He finds that he has these inherent magical powers. He doesn't have to use incantations to use his magical powers. He's very strong. He's very adept to it. And I... I'm very interested in seeing where the story goes. I'm, I'm not sure if it'll be super unique, but at least in the writing, they it just feels written by an adult and, and, and written for adults, not teenagers or young adults, but for adults. And I like that. It's nice having a show that as an adult feels is made specifically for you it's nice but i've only watched one episode so who knows where it'll go and what not but uh yeah that that's that's it anime wise and then uh not anime wise just finished the first season of star trek the original series been enjoying that overall i had a, a rough spot early goings on where i really liked the pilot episode and then the 
three pilot whatever with Pike. I really liked those two episodes, and then I was kind of like, uh, with a few episodes after that, but I was continuously drawn to keep watching it, even when episodes weren't hitting me that hard. And I've been enjoying it quite a bit. I'm going to take a break, though, in between seasons, because it's, it's good, but it's not something I want to just consume and consume all on its own with no breaks for other kind of stuff. So, yeah. But, uh, The Devil in the Dark, I believe, was the name of the episode. Very, very good. I did learn that apparently it was the first Star Trek episode to not have a speaking role for a female, a lady character, which is great to learn that. And then I guess it was also the first episode that didn't start with them on the bridge of the Enterprise. It had a cold open on the planet, the mining planet, where a miner was killed by the monster. But it is a very good episode about how we are so easy and quick to be wary of the unknown and want to destroy it and, and shit like that. It's very, very good. Very, very good. But uh been enjoying that. Anywho, let's get on to what I've been playing. So First up is The Hand of Merlin. <laughs> oh my god. What the fuck? You know what I'm just realizing? I'm realizing it hasn't even been that long. I already forgot what The Hand of Merlin is. What the fuck is The Hand of Merlin? I played it, obviously, and I played it on stream. What is it? What is The Hand of Merlin? Let's do a little Google. This is great podcasting, The Hand of Merlin. What was this game? What were you? I see these images. The Hand of Merlin versus Evil. Turn-based roguelite. Wait, what? Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, fucking fuck, man. It's a... It's as it says, a turn-based roguelite. And, you know, it's a... XCOMI gameplay. Tactics game. The problem... I found with it is that it is incredibly finicky to control with a controller. This is the stuff that's coming back to me right now. But I don't remember the details of the comment. I think it was relatively simple, but and it, it was fairly easy. It was pretty accessible in that sense. But just dealing with the controls with a controller was a pain in the ass. Trying to navigate the space and move your character on this it's not, I don't think it was grid-based. It might have been grid-based. It was grid-based. <laughs> but the, some of the issues with the game is that you can't rotate the camera, which just seems baffling to me in a tactics game, that you can't rotate at 90 degrees. I, I found that very annoying. Maybe it's because the levels are built in such a way that if you rotated the camera, you'd see all the, the cracks and holes in it. Oh, we're all right. Well... You just made the game feel worse by doing that. Congratulations. Two, if you can control, but you can't. I, I pressed every fucking button on the controller and nothing made the camera rotate ever. Hitting multiple things at the same time, nothing. But the thing, or one thing that really just fucking annoys me about this game, and it annoys me about a bunch of fucking games that do this. And you, you'll see this a lot more often when you are playing indie games. 
that they just choose not to include this for whatever dumb fuck reason. And I don't get it. I don't get it. But what I'm getting at, what I get that I don't get, is that you cannot see, there's no place, whether in the pause menu, the main menu, anywhere in the game, there's even in the, like, inventory, whatever menu system of the actual in-game UI and everything, there's a little question mark for help and tips and what fucking have you. You can't see the controller layout for the Hand of Merlin. It does not exist in the game. They won't show you it. So you can't find out what the controller does. If you forget what a button does and you want to just double check without having to press it and see what happens via experimentation, fuck you. Don't matter. Go fucking Google it. Who even knows if it's on Google? Let me see. Is it on Google? Is it on Google? The hand of Merlin controller layout, I guess. Let's see. The Hand of Merlin. I don't fucking give a shit about PC. The Hand of Merlin devs discuss how they're adapting. I don't care. I don't want to hear your discussions. I just want to see the gosh darn controls. Gimme. Gimme. They don't exist anywhere. You want to know how the buttons work? Fuck you. That's the Hand of Merlin. So, congratulations. But, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't matter that the game seems to be pretty raw. Oh, shit. No. No. I'm remembering the Hand of Merlin now. I'm remembering that I love everything about it, but the fact that it's such a pain that he has to control. Because the way it's set up is kind of similar to other roguelites or, or roguelikes like Slay the Spire where you constantly have these branching paths and when you move forward, you'll get a little bit of story. You'll have RNG come into play. The RNG seems very, very forgiving, or at least it's, it's not overly brutal and constantly against you. And it is structured in such a way that I could see myself playing this game over and over and over again if I ever pick it up on PC or if they added mouse and keyboard support on console because as much as I love the setup and then the way the game is structured it's just annoying to control that that's the the big problem I'm I it's just funny that I'm it, it's been a week it's been a hell of a week lots of things have been going on I've been changing this and that I've been doing all these things I've gotten back into streaming in a more real way and change the layout and I'm feeling pretty good about all that and whatnot so that's exciting too my back has I had I had real issues with my back so I don't blame that as well but just the fact that I'm gradually remembering more and more about the hand of Merlin I fucking loved everything about this game except the act of playing it and that's what's so frustrating because it has a bit of a Oregon Trail type of vibe and just that you are adventuring and I don't remember the overarching story. It didn't really matter. It was like, oh, there are all these various versions of King Arthur and what have you and you are your own particular version and you're going to go and you need to save your your world. And uh, 
I think it's well written. I enjoy the story. I think because of the way the game is structured, the story is paced in a way that isn't ever feeling overwhelming. You never overload it with a bunch of story because you're just going from node to node, occasionally having these branching paths where you can choose between one of three or, or so uh, different places and you'll get little info about what the places are so maybe it's a town and in the town you'll have access to certain things that you might need because you have to worry about supplies if you don't have supplies then you're going to be weaker when you get in combat you'll have like a 30 percent weakness thing attached to you and if you aren't hungry then you can get a bit of a buff going into combat and i just i really really like the game i just don't like the way it controls I want to play it on PC. When it's on sale, I'll pick it up on PC. But currently, I only play it on Xbox. And it, it just does not feel great with a controller, sadly. But it's a very, very cool game. I'm remembering now. It's a good game. It's a good game with bad controls on console. It did not translate that well. Then uh, a game I played a while ago was Floppy Nights. And this is another tactics game that is in that similar vein kind of feels a bit more close to advanced wars and it may just be the more cartoony aesthetic and that is very very grid based but the thing about floppy nights is that it is a hybrid between of a tactics game a strategic tactics game and a deck building game and this may sound fucking awesome to you like it did to me i said to myself oh my god i love tactics games i'm not a huge strategy person but i fucking love tactics game because I, I like having the more focused smaller scale and i i need strategy games to be turn-based real time it just i no don't i can't i can't handle it i can't handle it it's too, no no stop it no and i love deck building games so how could it go wrong? And that, was, that sounded weird. How could, how could it go wrong? How could it go wrong? You know how it could go wrong? Uh, words coming out of my mouth. But how it went wrong in Floppy Nights is that, and I don't know if it's just it didn't come together in Floppy Nights and another studio, maybe them with a second game or whatever would lead to a better realization of this conceit of taking these two genres and mashing them together but part of me feels like it's just something that sounds good conceptually in your head it sounds good but when you put it into practice it's just something that can't work unless you get like the the fucking perfect outcome the perfect mixing and mashing of everything what am i doing here i don't know uh but the problem with Floppy Nights is that this mashing of tactics and deck building, what it does, what it did, is make the game, make the experience too fucking tedious for its own good. It just makes everything more complicated than it needs to be. So in order to move your character in the space, on, on, on the grid base space, you have to play a card and that'll allow you to move and then you can move like you you take the card out of your deck 
and you place it on the character you want to move and then you move them and it's just all these extra steps are added now because you're not only doing the tactics thing you're having this deck building side of things that is how you perform all your actions so instead of just picking your actions and having action points you've got these fucking cards that have their points and shit whatever and it, it just it does not work because it's too fucking it's just tedious it's just too fucking complicated it's added too many steps to the process and the added steps didn't with them bring more it didn't add extra strategy or it didn't add anything positive along with the tedium so it's it's not like balancing out the negatives are these various positives it just made the experience worse without adding anything so you're you're losing something without gaining anything in return so that that was ultimately the problem with Halapi nights then cloud gardens is a game that I think came out on PC a year or two ago. And I was super excited about this because it just has a great visual look. It's sort of like this diorama, pixely puzzle thing where you are taking these vacant spaces, these empty lots, and placing things, placing items and seeds in them to cover them with shrubbery and greenery and, and what have you completely hitting a certain percentage so they complete the level and it just has a very very cool look to it it's very very pretty but I had to stop playing after about 20 or 30 minutes because for whatever reason I just could not fucking figure out what the hell was going on in the game it made me feel stupid as shit because I thought I was doing it the way you're supposed to do it. Where you place a seed and then you place these various inanimate objects around the seed in this cone that they say is the thing where it'll activate and blah, blah, blah. It'll interact with the seed and get the seed to grow more and have the leaves grow more so that it can cover more of the area and you can get that percentage to 100 and move on to the next level, etc. And... I did all this and it just never seemed to ever work. The plants didn't want to grow. I didn't know what I, I was doing wrong. And the game, I don't even know if the first level really taught me anything and how it works or anything like that. So the game doesn't really help you in any way. There's a creative mode, which I messed around with that I thought maybe, maybe I'll dive with this. You can in the settings, there's an option to just unlock everything without having to play through and, and do it that way, which is nice. But even in the creative mode, I wasn't, that was more so a, a control thing where I didn't think on controller, it felt that great. Cause it's on switch. Now it came out on PC a while ago, as I said, but it just came out on switch recently. And it just is a big bummer because I, really wanted to like it i was excited about it from a visual standpoint and i figured this is going to be a super relaxing simple little puzzle game that's probably going to be super easy it's not going to ask a lot of you and 
when I fail the first time, 10 minutes or so into it, I'm like, huh? What? Why? Why? Because I, I, I hit maybe like 70%, but that wasn't good enough. I don't know if I had to hit 100 or if it's 85, 90 is enough. But even so, I was like, what? Why are you being so strict with me? Look at you. Look at what you are. Look at what kind of game you are. You should fucking just fucking let let me through. Let me through. I just want to have a pleasant little relaxing time with you. If it wasn't so strict with how high of a percentage you had to get, I probably would have jived with it more. But then I was just like, ugh, really? I failed two times in a row, and then I think I passed that one, and then I failed the next one, and I passed it. I was just like, I, I don't want to fail at this game ever. And the fact that I'm failing, no, 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 no. And I was like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Next up, we got fuck this title, Winkle to the little shop, which is a shop management game, management, a shop management game where you are in like a medieval setting, typical medieval setting, and you are opening up your own shop where you place items and sell shit like clothing and nails and wool and tomatoes apples apricots seeds and whatever and it's it's better than i was expecting i was a little nervous when i saw some of the screenshots that were clearly of much later games where the ui was fucking crazy and there was so much happening on screen but it eases you into the experience pretty nicely it says right up front that it'll get you understanding how the game works very quickly and it's true because it is an incredibly simple game and it's super straightforward and that is both its strength and its weakness because i played it for about an hour and a half you can check out the archive of that stream i think all of these outside of floppy nights and uh, the VR game I'll be talking about after this. Uh, you'll be able to see the the archive, the stream archives, if you want to see me playing them in the moment and get a better idea. <laughs> I definitely watch the Hannah Merlin one because then you'll actually not uh, see me and hear me remembering the experience in a fucking stupid ass way like I did. Uh, but um, winkle winkle to you. It's a stupid fucking title. It's Wink, W-I-N-K, E-L-T-J-A. T-J-E. T-J-E. Winkle to J. Winkle to J. But the way it's set up is that you just are designing your shop gradually when you set it up in the normal sense because you don't have that much money. You can't build it out super fast. There are creative modes and five different difficulty levels uh you can go bankrupt in all of them but the easiest but even on the the default normal difficulty which is what i played on it seemed pretty fucking easy i don't know if 
stuff could happen where I could end up bankrupt because it seems like you're always going to make at least uh, some money unless you do something. I don't know what you could possibly do, given my little time of the game, that could lead to bankruptcy outside of, I don't know, setting your fucking shop on fire. I don't, I don't think you can actually do that in the game, but maybe that could happen. And then, okay, I get it. Uh, I guess there are the, the points where you need to pay off your debt, and if you don't actually have the money, but I always had the money, and I wasn't even remembering or trying to save up money for when those moments happen. But the way it works is that you, at the beginning of the day, your shop's closed, you can set it up and do whatever you want. I mean, that's this is the first time. Usually it's set up where you have your shop, you open it up, people come in, they'll buy shit. You, you place them on various things that are specifically designed for holding objects for sale. People will pick something up if they want it, go to the cashier's table, whatever it's called, and pay for it there. But if there's something else they want in addition to that that you don't have out on display, they will be waiting in line and you can go up to them and interact with them. And if you have it in your inventory, but just don't have it out on display because you don't have enough places to display everything, you can sell to them there and they'll pay for it along with the other stuff they bought. Or you can just tell them, I don't have this and they'll go off and leave and pay for whatever they did pick up or just leave if they didn't pick up anything else. There will be a trader comes every day when the shop is open. You can use this to buy things at a discount and then sell them for a higher price or just make a higher profit because you're buying them while they're the, the market is it, it. The thing that's frustrating about the game, you will also level up as you sell more and, and whatnot and sell items, etc. And every five levels, you unlock a crafting or a skill point, which you can use to unlock abilities like the ability to craft weapons or the ability to farm, etc. The problem with the game is that, again, it is super simple, super straightforward. And this is true for all aspects of it in that you have no, if you do at any point, it wasn't clear within the first hour and a half. You have no control over the actual pricing and finer details of your shop experience. All you really can do is buy items or as you progress and level up, you'll be able to just craft items yourself. You'll still need to buy the raw, the raw material to be able to build it. So you have to buy iron in order to craft nails. But when you're able to craft them, you'll be able to craft way more and make more, much more of a profit than just buying nails and then selling them at a higher price. But you can't, you can't adjust the pricing. So in a game that has a similar type of thing, but also has much more going on, Moonlighter. When you would set up your shop, which is a very similar way, you you know you place the items, you are the one setting the prices, and you are in that process trying to figure out what the market will pay for something, and you're trying to find something where 
you can sell it, make as much as you can while not upsetting people. And if you keep selling the same item, it'll get oversaturated. You have to be wary of that. None of that seems to be the case in, in Winkle to Je. It's just everything's done for you. And that's, it makes it a very relaxing experience to an extent because you don't have to think at all. You can really just turn your brain off. It makes it a good podcasting game because you don't have to pay attention or think about anything. But at the same time, I felt like I had gotten pretty much all I would get out of the game after just an hour and a half with it. And my motivation to keep playing was not there. So it's not a bad game. It's just a pretty dull one. And one I... It's the kind of game that I look at and I think to myself, I'd probably play the shit out of this and enjoy it and its simplicity while listening to podcasts and, and whatever. If I wasn't somebody who had thousands of games in their backlog, thousands of games I could play instead because there's no reason for me to spend any more time with this game. But if it was me in my younger years where I didn't really have much and if I had this game, I, I'd, I'd be happy enough with it. But it, it's, it's a game that if you don't have any other options, it's good enough. But if you have any other options, just fucking don't, don't, don't spend time on Winkle, did you? Then the, the one VR game which I played, and it's the first VR game I've played in a long time, is Mother Gunship Forge, which is the VR version of Mother Gunship, which came out, I think, like two, three years ago. And it was a first-person shooter, run-based first-person shooter, rogue lighty, where you are constantly finding attachments for your two guns, your two arm guns, essentially. And creating more and more elaborate, crazy, ridiculous guns. So you can have your left arm shoot shotguns that are made of electricity, but it also shoots a machine gun and shoots this other thing. And it's just like, you create these ridiculous Lego-esque, elaborate gun setups. And then of course, when you die, you lose your run you start off from scratch. As you progress, you'll unlock new weapon types that will show up in a run. And it works really well in VR. I'm playing on the Quest 2. It looks pretty good. What I like about it is that they really seem to have thought of how to make it a satisfying VR experience. That isn't too sick inducing for people who would be more inclined to that because when enemies are shooting so the way it works is that you're just going room to room to room to room and i think i think it i think it's basically set up the same way as the first game the original game i haven't played that in a long time so i can't remember exactly but when you enter a room you'll you'll be stationed in a specific place you don't walk around or anything and enemies will keep appearing. They'll keep spawning in until you've defeated all of them. 
and when they attack you there are these little ones that will hit you melee wise but for the most part they're flying enemies or enemies like turrets that will shoot at you the only the only the only thing that you have to worry about in terms of getting hit is your head that is the only hit box your body none of that matters so you just need to avoid things with your head you just need to dodge shit like that and the fact that that's the only thing you have to be concerned about makes it a lot easier avoiding projectiles and the like and it makes it more comfortable it, it, it also makes it a little bit easier in terms of having to move around you don't have to move around super crazy but the act of attaching gun parts and whatnot to your various arms feels pretty good in VR ah it's super simple but it, it it's not too bad it's not too bad I, I didn't play too much of it because it, it's I got, I got the general idea of it and it's like okay I, I this is this is okay the thing is it's very stripped down for VR and it works but what it did make me want to do is go back and play the original so that's where I am. I'm going to go play the original at some point. Maybe it'll be an Attack the Backlog game. Because I only play a little bit of it. But uh, this uh, VR game has got me hankering for uh, some other gunship spankering. Then the last game I played is The Tale of Bistoon. Which is an action-adventure game. Very story-driven. It's based on I don't I don't remember what it's based on. It's based on some kind of actual fairy tale type of thing. And it's incredibly well told. The voice acting narration is very, very, very good. The problem with the story though is that as good as the voice acting narration and all that is, I don't think the story is all that interesting. So I didn't really care about the story. And then the game itself looks really good. I like the art quite a bit. It's very reminiscent of Torchlight, and it, and it's in that hack and slash vein of Torchlight and Diablo and games like that. But the problem with the Tale of Bastoon is that one, it's apparently very 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 short. How long to beat has three completions on it, and the average is like two and a half hours. I think there was a two hour, a two and a half, and a two and a half. It's short, and it's $18. $15 seems like the max for this game because the story is eh. But more so than that, it is so fucking easy. It is ridiculously easy. There are no difficulty options, and the only controls are attack, dodge roll, ability, and sprint. That's it. That's it. There's no stamina at all. So you can dodge roll to your heart's content. You're invincible throughout the entire animation of your dodge roll. 100% iframes. So you just dodge roll all the fucking time. Attacking is just mashing the X button on, on Xbox. You know, it, it'll be different depending on the controller. And... Your ability is the right bumper, which has a or works off a cooldown, but you don't get any additional abilities, just the one, and that's it. 
you do get an alternate pickaxe because you're this dude who uses pickaxes as your weapon. And you will unlock a second one. And then much, not much later, I mean much later in the game, in relatively speaking. I think, I think they, I don't remember if they worded it this way. But I think they may have worded it and said, you can now switch between the two on the fly. Which is fucking bullshit if they actually said that. I don't think they actually said that because if they did, it's a load of shit. You can't switch between them on the fly at this point or after a certain point. All you can do is constantly find very frequently these little statue things where you can switch between your two different ones. Why they don't let you just do it yourself? Maybe add a little flavor to the, the fucking combat? Spice it up a bit more? Who fucking knows? But combat is super fucking simple because all you're doing is attacking with one button, dodge rolling so that you avoid attacks, and using your ability when you have it available. And that's it. That's it. And what you're doing in this game is going in these areas that have trees, scenting trees that have been corrupted, and you save them. You'll know how many you have to save in a specific area. And when you save them all, then you go to this like mystical land where you can no longer sprint and there's never any combat or interesting puzzles or anything. It's all super linear. It looks cool. It's very story-centric, those parts. But it's also kind of dull. And it's dragged out by the fact you can't sprint because fucking why let you sprint? I, okay, cool, cool, cool game. You want me to take the story in? Is that why? You're just annoying me. You're dragging out. You're basically making your hour-long game into two hours because you won't let me sprint in these sections. I see what you're doing there, buddy. I see what you're doing there. But the comet is just... After a while, it, it feels so... Ugh. Because there's just so little to it. And I'm pretty sure too that when you are in a when you aren't when you are attacking an enemy, your attacks cancel their animations all the time. And my belief of this is that when I would attack enemies, I just figured I'd just try continuously attacking them without ever dodge rolling and seeing if they could land and attack on me. And it seemed like always unless i was surrounded by enemies and was testing this out then i would still take damage and i would assume that's from an enemy i wasn't attacking it seems like attacking enemies cancels their animations their attacks etc so the combat is even simpler and requires little thought or strategy or any type of consideration so it's got a good look to it it's got a story that's well told, if uninteresting. But the gameplay is unbelievably simple. It's so fucking simple. I can't believe how super simple it is. But yeah, it's not a bad game. It's just an overly simplistic one. 
and I wish the combat had more to it. Like a Diablo, where if I held down a trigger, the face buttons would then give me access to additional abilities. I wish I could better create my character in such a way that they played in my preferred style. I, I just wish there was more to the, the gameplay. Because as it stands, it's it doesn't... To just paint a picture, it's different in the sense that you're not fighting thousands and thousands of enemies. The combat is less complicated and has less depth than a Musou game. So your Dynasty Wars, etc. Those are infinitely more complicated and feel more satisfying combat-wise, gameplay-wise than... The, the, the fucking gameplay in the Tale of Bastoon. That's how fucking simple and basic this thing is. But you don't have the satisfaction of defeating a whole bunch of enemies at one time. You just defeat some stone goblins here and there and some big dudes and none of it's ever challenging. The only time uh, my attacks weren't canceling out in enemies' animations was when I fought this big dude. Because I didn't finish the game. That's telling too. It's apparently super short, and you know what? Not not that driven to to finish it. The quick resume functionality is also kind of dog shit on it, and it just kind of like I don't know resets every now. It's it's untrustworthy quick resume. But uh, yeah, that is the tale of Bastoon. And uh, speaking of soon, uh, that that's gonna do it for this here episode. Of the Pixelated Sauce Show. However, I got some Patreon questions. That's right. I thought, what's a what's a dumb benefit I could give patrons? Because I don't want to give them anything of actual substance. I could ask them or have them ask me some questions for the show. And that's something that, that could happen. So that's that's what happened. And I got some dumb questions. I asked for dumb questions, and I got dumb questions. So we're going to go through these pretty quickly. The people ask multiple questions. There's definitely new rule. Next time, one question per person. But uh, let's see. What do we got here? What do we got here? From Lunchbox. 700. Just call Lunchbox. We all know who Lunchbox is. What's the best sandwich? Well, if we're just considering sandwiches, two pieces of bread and some kind of shit in between, then I would say I have... Great fondness for Italian sausage. And this this brings up the whole conundrum of is a hot dog a sandwich? Sure, why? I don't fucking care. But as much as I love Italian sausage, it is something that is a bit too weighty for an everyday type of sandwich. Fuck. Oh, shit. Never mind. Never mind. I was going to say Italian beef because I love Italian beef. What the fuck am I thinking about? The best sandwich, unquestionably, sausage biscuit with egg from McDonald's. Best fast food, food. Easy, no question. One of my favorite things in the world. I love it so much. I haven't had it in 10 plus years because I don't eat shit food anymore. And it's, I mean, it's definitely not good for you. Manchi, why do you hate hills? I don't hate hills. I hate hilly. I hate hilly cities. I don't like it because the main reason is just 
the sense of unease that comes from, say, being at a stoplight at an angle on a hill and just sitting there feeling this sensation like I should be falling backward because we're not moving, but we're not going backward. It, I don't, it makes it makes me feel weird. I don't like it. I don't like it. But I mean, in, in a forest preserve, if there's a hill, I'm like, oh, that that's nice. I also don't like hills or hilly environments because I'm asthmatic and hills can really make that shit fucking suck ass. Rate this fictional woman from Jedi. Yes, Jedi. She's a 10 who mains lifeline but never heals. If you don't know what this is a reference to, it is a reference to a legend in Apex Legends, Lifeline, who is the main healer class, main healer character. And uh, if she's a 10 who mains Lifeline and never heals, she's a fucking zero in my book. Because you know what? It is, she clearly is just a selfish piece of shit who only thinks of herself. And you know what? She can fuck off. Another one from Lunchbox. If I became stupid rich tomorrow, what would be the first thing I'd do? I thought about this, and I think the thing I would do is find out everything a person by the name of Levity loves, buy all of it, and then give it away for free to everyone but him. That's what I would do. From Sunny, Mr. Black. Just Sunny or Slutty, depending on how well you know him. If you had to choose, would you rather lose 80% of the flexibility of your legs or your arms? Easy legs. I don't think most people would pick arms because you lose so much more functionality and ability to do pretty much anything if you lose the majority of the functionality in your arms than in your legs, sure, I won't be able to run anymore or whatever. But guess what? If I lost the majority of functionality in my arms, I mean, playing video games, not going to be easy. You know, there, there are ways where you could, you could learn to use your, your feet or some shit. But like, I can no longer play games. I can no longer draw. I can no longer do... So many things that, why, why, no, I don't need to walk around. I don't need to walk around. Okay. I'm good. Easy, easy. Another one from lunchbox. What is the stupidest thing you've ever done? Besides this, of course, uh, we're gonna get a little serious here. Stupidest thing I ever did is, uh, see how high my tolerance for alcohol was because I knew it was high, especially for me and my relative size. And then I decided this one evening to really test it out and see what my limits were. I, uh, blacked out. There's a good chunk of that night. I don't remember. I threw up blood. And I am probably lucky to be alive. So that is easily the stupidest thing I ever did. And I'm usually pretty intelligent and don't do stupid things like that. 
I haven't had a drink since, and I'm never going to ever again. And I've had friends who are like, oh, come on, it's okay. You know, just drink in moderation now. Those people aren't friends anymore. And I don't like anyone who would... I don't like anyone who would try and push someone who, who has a very strong desire to not do something ever again. Just because they're like, oh, just don't do that again. Like, no, no. I mean, sure, I could, I could, I could drink in moderation. I don't, I don't feel like I'm incapable of doing that. Like, if I drank again, I would be dumb again. But I don't. I've never enjoyed drinking. That's why I never really did it in the past. And then I just wanted to test it out this one time. And I was just like, no. No, 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 no. And then the last question we have is another one from Sunny. Would you rather eat three normal bananas or one really large banana? I don't... I don't, I don't know what this question is, Sunny. I mean, how really large is it? Can I cut it up or do I have to like deep throat it? Like you're not being specific. If it's just, if it's three normal bananas, if it's three normal bananas and then one banana that is the equivalent of three normal bananas, what's, what's the fucking difference? Unless I can't cut it up into bite-sized pieces. Also, my answer is neither. Because I don't want to eat fucking bananas. I mean, bananas are good. They taste good. I just, I don't want to eat them. That's it, though. They're all your dumb questions. Congratulations. I hope, I hope you enjoy this. Um, but, uh, yeah. Clearly, you know, we're still, we're in that rocky part of me returning to podcasting in this form. And it being something I have to get used to again. Also, it's been a hell of a week holy crap so yeah i feel bad for stuff like hannah merlin where i fucking was gradually remembering it as i was talking about it but uh i think i think things overall are pretty positive here i hope you all had a good time with this here episode and uh yeah that'll do it for this here episode once again I am Mark Krishnez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. You can find all my links of import over at pixelatedsausage.com slash PXS. You can also see me streaming games here on the YouTubes if you're watching the video version of this show. And of course, like, subscribe, hit the bell, and all that jazz if you haven't already. And if you are listening to the audio version, do that too. Go over to the YouTubes just so you can like, subscribe, and hit the bell and all that shit. But, uh, yeah, if you, if you do like any of the crap I do and what have you, you can go over to patreon.com slash PXS and support me that way. And of course, if you support me via Patreon, you can ask me dumb questions like, would I rather eat three normal bananas or one really large banana? Whoa, what the fuck's wrong with you, Sonny? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. But there's there's one of your benefits. There's the it's literally the only benefit to being a patron currently is being able to ask me stupid questions that I will fucking answer. So uh if that sounds like something you want to do, that is again patreon.com slash pxs. But uh that is it. That is all. Always thank you for watching or 
listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Bye. It's go time. It's go time.